Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krause. In studio today, we have a, a fascinating group. There's a movie called First Round Down uh, in theaters right now. If you're in Toronto, check it out at the Carlton Cinema. Just renewed for a second week, so you can check it out uh, at least for the next seven days, but I bet you it stays around longer than that. But go see it. It's always important to get out and uh, support Canadian films. Uh, the more money they make there, the longer they will stay there, and the more money that my guests uh, will have to make more films, and we want that. So, uh, movie's called First Round Down. Uh, the guests are the Butler Brothers. We have Brett and Jason, the co-directors and writers and kind of creative force behind this. Indeed. Gentlemen, nice yes. to see you. Good to see you. Thanks, sir. And uh, Rachel Wilson is here, one of the stars of the film, and congratulations on it. Thanks, Richard. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. You were supposed to be on the show last week, and then it didn't happen because of me and my bad planning. <laughs> and so I'm glad that we can get you in to talk about the movie, um, because I really liked it. And in the review... I said that it's a working-class Tarantino. It's a crime drama that proudly wears its low-budget status on its sleeve. And I loved that. I loved that uh, it's a movie that really seemed to me to understand what it is, how to present it, and, and make the most of every dollar. Like, every, you can see every dollar that you guys spent on the screen somewhere. So, um, uh, Jason, why don't I start with you? Uh, the idea, where did it come from? It's a sort of a a local hometown hockey star who tries to go home again, and it doesn't really work out as well as he had hoped. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the idea really just came from, we've got a lot of money for the first time. Let's, <laughs> which was very little money. <laughs> well, yeah, you, your previous films, you had made some shorts and things like that, which you had made, I'm guessing, for like a thousand, couple thousand bucks here, a couple Whoa, thousand bucks here. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Getting crazy. We started off, we made a uh, feature for like 50 bucks, did a two-hander over a weekend. <laughs> then we jumped to the $500 level, and then uh, the, the previous one to this, Morning is Broken, was for a thousand dollars. Wow. So yeah, this was... So uh, you had... 250 yeah. times that to make yeah, this, right? We were like Demi Moore and <laughs> swimming in bills. <laughs> we're like, we don't even know where to buy this much cocaine. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we just took it as like, this is an opportunity to uh, tell something uh, really personal yeah. and uh, put as much of our uh, love and passion for film into this as well. And uh, so that's where it really began. So, you know, we've, we grew up playing sports. And then that sort of foregone conclusion of us making the NHL dissipated. And right. then we're like, oh, oh. Now what do we do? Yeah, now <laughs> what do we do with the rest of our lives? So really that's where it started from. And what, what happens when you have all this uh, passion and uh, competitive drive in you and you've been so trained and geared, where does it go when you're no longer doing it? And, you know, we bantered around ideas. He becomes a, you know, a professional baker or he becomes a <laughs> professional, you know. And then we're like, we, we got to dramatize this. Let's make him a hitman. And, uh, you know, we just threw in stuff, pizza delivery, everything like that. That's that's what we do. We've done in the past. Yeah, because you delivered pizzas, right? Uh, yes. We probably got uh, almost a decade of experience between us of. Delivering the hot pizza pie. <laughs> and we were very competitive at it. Really? Oh, yeah. It's, you guys were... well, how do you, how are you competitive? Oh, between the two of you, not between uh, no, you and other drivers. Other drivers. Other drivers. Other drivers. Oh, oh, we're taking, we don't even, we don't even participate in the same stores when we were doing it because that would just get hairy canary. Oh we so wouldn't be here today to talk about this <laughs> <Yeah>. story. <laughs> we just like start you had to go driving our cars into each other. <laughs> what do you think you're doing, man? So. 
Yeah, so we did separate stories against other drivers, and I, I guess the, one of the original versions of the script, it was uh, it was pretty fat with like a lot of delivery sort of stories behind right. the stories and competition, which. You know, we'd like to do, if, if there were a sequel, it would involve other drivers for sure. Right. And uh, there is, but there still is a lot of references to life as a pizza delivery person. People that don't tip really annoy you guys. Oh, that's the that's worst. That's the worst. <laughs> I, did you have someone like that guy in the movie? Like, worse? Oh. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> terrible people guy. out there. And what we're thinking, if one person leaves this movie... And starts tipping. <laughs> We've done our job. Done our job. <laughs> okay, so you say there's terrible people out there. Uh, so as a, it, we'll get back to the movie. The movie is called <laughs> First Round Down, by the way. See it at the Carlton in Toronto and VOD starting in late June in the rest of the country. But also, it will probably roll out in the next number of weeks. So just keep your eyes open uh, on your local listings. So when you say there's terrible people out there, I'm fascinated by pizza <laughs> delivery all of a sudden. So what what kind of do people really try and scam free pizzas from you? Oh, w- without a doubt, one hundred percent. And and how do, how awful. are ways to do that? Well, you probably don't want to tell. There's no successful <laughs> ways anymore since we've seen every possible variation. <laughs> uh, and we don't want to promote that seedy underbelly no. of pizza eating out there. And are people annoying with the coupons and stuff? Are they like, oh, we have three coupons for... Oh, yeah. And it's like they print them off the internet. It's scam, scam, scam. A lot of pizza fraud out there. A lot I bet. of. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty unruly. I mean, I remember. <laughs> I love the story. <laughs> oh, you got us going. Um, I don't even know all these stories. Oh, it's just uh, people are just kind of shameless. It's such a weird, you know place to stand and yeah. try and try and make a couple extra bucks by just ripping yeah. off your yeah. pizza delivery guy. And, and does it get worse as it gets later in the day? So yeah, at seven o'clock, seven PM when you're delivering, it's probably fairly okay. By two o'clock in the morning, I oh, bet yeah. you it's a different scene. Yeah, right? people are drunk yeah. or yeah. like you in the movie. Like you're people rolling, are you're rolling fifty fifty whether or not you're getting any tip yeah. at you know at two or, or getting yeah. paid at all, right? Yeah. And definitely yeah. you're not Coming being back treated alive. nicely. <laughs> People are very friendly at two in the morning, I can imagine. <laughs> or they can be very friendly. Or yeah. extra friendly <laughs> that you, yeah. you I, don't I, want. I knew uh, someone who was uh, uh, worked in a hotel and was a uh, room service, and they, delivering food to hotel rooms, saw some crazy things. I bet. Naked people, oh, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. What's oh. the sort of craziest delivery story? And then we'll move on. <laughs> but what's the craziest delivery story that you can think of? Brett, go ahead. I don't know. There's that. Uh, there's so many. I mean, I can consider one of the last ones uh, I remember delivering, and uh, uh, the guy opened the door and he just had porn playing on a big screen right behind him, and we're we're just doing the exchange like this is just casual, and he has this hardcore big screen. Like, oh my god! What are we doing here? That's, That's pretty just great. no no shame. You're like, no here's shame. your pizza. <laughs> Here's your there. Enjoy your pizza and porn. <laughs> it's P and P night. Pizza oh, and porn. It's uh, you know I got in the habit of of calling before getting there just right because what you know it's it's oh, only yeah. people order their pizza and then they all have I guess a ritual and some of those are a bit seedier than others. You know, <laughs> some people like to shower. Some people get you know I guess aroused. <laughs> there was a guy who I knew for a fact would like call and then just have try and have like furtive relations with. A woman, 
and I wasn't sure at first, but by the third time, and he's answering his gitch, and he's oh like kind of sweaty, and you hear someone That's in the background hilarious. like, "This is your thing." He's like, "I'm gonna order a pizza." Yeah. <laughs> gonna get this job done. He, he's really quick. He might be here in like 15 minutes. So. Buckle up, baby. And you got to know that that was his deal? Yeah. And oh I'm like, God. no, I'm part of this. And <laughs> I don't know what to do. Should I try and get there quicker? <laughs> or just, you know, let him dally into round a little bit? I don't know. So. Oh, that's funny. I'm speaking with Jason and Brett Butler, directors of First Round Down. We haven't talked to Rachel Wilson yet, though. You've been acting since you were 12. I have. Have you ever had uh, jobs? We were talking about food service. We got a few. Let's let's roll this out with food service stories. <laughs> oh, my have gosh. Have you ever worked in a restaurant? Have you ever done no. Anything like that? That's a very interesting question, Richard. I have worked in a restaurant. Um, you know, the, the standby job for actors when they're not working is waiting tables. I did it for years. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I mean, I, I I wished I could do it well. I, I continually tried to do it. I, I was fired from many restaurants. Were you? Yeah. And what was the problem? Well, you know, I'm not a very good multitasker, and I'm particularly <laughs> terrible with food multitasking. So, you know, someone would be like, I'd like this and this on the side, and then I'd like this as well, and could you make sure it's not done? And I, you know, I'd have like a small anxiety attack in my brain every time somebody ordered something. And probably the worst experience I had waitressing was um, I often didn't tell whole truths on my resume about my waitressing experience. <laughs> and I had an experience at a restaurant that will rename, um, remain us. unnamed in Toronto where I said I had done it and they just sort of put me out on the floor like sink or swim. And uh, I actually left the restaurant. Like I, like <laughs> my brother was going to write a movie called Runaway Waitress because I literally like, <laughs> had like the thing around my waist and like I had, you know, I had the apron on and everything. And I was like, I'm just going to go get the order. And I sort of like backed out of the door and kept my eye contact with people. And then I booked it down the street. Like I was running for my life. Like I was like, I have to get out of here because I was either going to, yeah, I was going to cry in front of still waiting for that order today. <laughs> I was going to cry in front of people and I'm like, you know, nobody wants that in their restaurant. Nope. They don't want a crying waitress. I think a runaway waitress is better than a crying waitress. So, yeah. But I was very good at selling clothes. My my go-to mm. job was like retail and I I'm I'm good with one-on-one -on -one multitasking, right. not multi multitasking. I've only I worked in restaurants and bars for years. <clears throat> I haven't done it for about 20 some odd years now, yeah. I think. But it's but hard. It, it's hard and and God. you know, there are these moments that that some crazy things happens the only two uh kind of runaway waitress stories that i have yeah. uh, uh once i was standing in the kitchen of a restaurant and a busser just came running past us and we're like i wonder you know what's going and right out the back door right. and just kept going that was me and we just never saw her again she that didn't was, come back me. and get her stuff no we no one knows what happened it's traumatic yeah bad things can happen yeah. and you just and, leave. and so that was bad yeah. and then uh, i was working i was bartending on a sunday once and we had, were in a restaurant that had a giant patio, and there were just two of us on. There was a waiter uh, who was a young woman who had just started working there, and me. Normally Sundays weren't so busy, whatever. And then something happened, and the patio filled up, and I'm making drinks, and I'm pouring them out. And I'm realizing that these drinks are stacking up, and, like, no one is coming to pick them up. And oh, I'm God. looking out at the patio. My nightmare. And so I went out to see what was going on, and she was laying on the floor in a fetal position, literally in a fetal <laughs> position, like, murmuring Man. to herself, oh, I can't do this. I, can... I can't do this. Oh, my I can't. gosh. Had just a, a complete breakdown because you look at the sea of 
people with anticipation on their faces and they're hungry and they're thirsty. It's like terrifying. I have yeah. dreams mm-hmm. about which. And like they just keep coming and coming. And yeah. they do. It's a nightmare, honestly. If you're not good at that thing, it's awful. And people who are hungry are not in a good mood. Either. They are not. When we come back, we'll continue talking about the film <laughs> First Round Down. It's at the Carlton Cinema in Toronto right now. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. In studio, we have the Butler Brothers. That's Brett and uh, Brett M. Do you go? Do you use the middle initials? Brett M. Butler and Jason G. Butler. Uh, well, that was more for IMDb and uh, right. to separate, but it kind of sounds cool. It does. Sometimes it's a bust out full. Brett McPherson Butler. Yeah. Jason Genuine Butler. That's what I think the G stands for. Uh, Rachel Wilson's also here. The stars of First Round Down. Uh, it's at the Carlton Cinema in Toronto. It is on VOD. That's video on demand in late June. And you can also check your local listings because it probably will roll out and go to a theater near you soon. And it's really worth a look. It is the story of a former hometown hero who had a less than heroic life, I think, once he left home. And then he goes back. He goes back to Hamilton, tries to woo his ex-girlfriend, look after his brother, and uh, go on the straight and narrow, except, of course, there's always one last job that needs to be done. So uh, interesting stuff, fun stuff. I had a really good time watching this movie. And so often, I think, uh, when we go to the movies these days, it's not fun. This movie had a great deal of fun. Were there touchstones that you looked to? Uh, definitely. Well, I think when we started out with writing it was our idea, doing something, our take on a commercial film. So it was like, let's write like a piece of Canadian pop. Right. But we went back to like the films that influenced us, which were, we kind of grew up in the 90s, that boom of indie cinema. And from there, you kind of see the influences of their films back to the 70s, like your your Scorsese or your Mean Streets and your Taxi Driver, Five Easy Pieces, Hal Ashby. And so when we were writing the film, we kind of wrote it in a way where it was a uh, kind of a love letter to what inspired us to get into film. So it's very gritty, very blue collar, um, you know, and then there was the Pulp Fiction, your Reservoir Dogs in the 90s that kind of we had the same kind of influences there. And you see, if you go through, we were kind of talking about the idea of big fans could start a drinking game of the shots that we (laughs) replicated in the film. That's such a good idea. That's the the next wave of marketing. Yeah. Yeah. For the first round down cult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And we always wanted to, you know, I I guess our voice and, you know, you've been honing your voice Mm -hmm. over over the years. And that's the one thing we've been doing with the the lower budget. You get a chance to just kind of figure out how do you tell stories. At lower stakes, right? Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, one of the things we found is that we're really good at sort of dark comedy and just uh, making people laugh, basically. And we think it's a real skill set that, you know, is vastly underrated and really effective um, in terms of getting across other messages that you might want to have. You know, you open up with with a few laughs and then suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, and here, we're going to throw in these points. Mm -hmm. Tip your pizza driver. And they'll be like, I can tip my pizza driver. (laughs) You know, just stuff like that. And... um, we just think it, it just enhances the experience, and it's something we're good at, and uh, we take a lot of pride in being able to slip those laughs in and then just switch gears and be like, now it's serious time, mm-hmm. now it's fun time, 
I mean, you know, just give that roller coaster effect. Rachel, what did you think when you first saw this? Um, I I loved it, yeah. Richard. I loved the script from the get go. I love these guys from the get go. Um, I remember we sat down at the Soho House and had like lunch one day um, after they had sent me the script, and um, I just knew it was, it was going to be special and original and fun. And I'm I'm a huge music fan, and so are these guys. And we talked about that, and we talked about. I could tell how influenced they were by a lot of different genres of cinema, and I was excited about that. So to see it up on the big screen was so much fun. And I was saying to them both before we sat down with you this morning, I've seen it now about four or five times, and I literally like it more and more every time. Right. And it's it's honestly because you see more things, which yeah. means it's deeply layered, which is so exciting for something that looks like on you know surface an innocent, fun hockey heist comedy, like um, Jason's saying. It's, it has dark layers, and it has you know lots of humor, and it has a lot of influences. So it's super fun to be part of a film like that. I feel like it's a very special film, and um, it's an honor to be asked to be part of it. And it was shot in Hamilton. Yes, and Toronto. And Toronto, mm -hmm. right? And so you guys, you're Hamilton guys, right? Oh no, we're Toronto. Oh, guys. Oh no, you're Toronto guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm St. Catharines though, so that really? also rang true to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've been in a lot of hockey movies. Oddly, I mean, it's not that odd, I guess, well, because I am. You from have been yeah. Ontario, but Mystery Alaska. Yeah. you were in Mystery Alaska. What yeah. else? What other? Well, I did movies? a really cool pilot that um, hasn't found its home yet, but it's called Prairie Dogs with a, an actor named Jeff Roop and Nick Campbell was in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was super fun. It was it was a story about a hometown guy coming back. I mean, I think people can relate to. Um, that because I think hockey was a huge influence in the Niagara region and the Ontario, you know, community like can relate. A lot of people were geared and groomed for that as young guys and mostly guys. And um, although now hopefully there's some women doing it. Um, and uh, yeah, hometown, small town stories like always appealed to me because I can definitely relate to that. Is St. Catharines the donut capital of? Yes, it is. The, yeah, it is. Yes, it is. It was actually said, I believe, on Jay Leno or David Letterman like 20 years ago. Somebody gave a shout out to St. Catharines being the donut capital of North America. I'm not joking. There was a donut diner and a Tim's on every corner. That's where we hung out growing and, up. And is it still that or do yeah. we know? Oh, yeah. Donuts is a big thing. I, I had a friend who uh, had a job in St. Catharines. Uh, Putting the fillings in the Boston cream, yeah, and, no way, and, and like jelly donuts and yeah. stuff, like, but like with a big syringe. That was their job. That was the job. Oh my goodness! Well, donuts, like my girlfriend's from, she's from here, but her husband's from New York. And when he first came to Ontario, he's like, "What is this place called? Tim Hortons?" <laughs> he was like, "This is amazing. Can I get six Boston creams to go?" And like, I was like, "Wow, you're really into donuts." I mean, they have Krispy creams there, but you forget yeah. when you grow up in you know Ontario, you're like, "Yeah, Tim's," but yeah. like, it's it's delicious to people who've never had it. Right? I mean, it's delicious in general. Surrounded by donuts. Exactly. Yeah, I think we wanted to turn the Canadian blue collar into like a popcorn movie event. Yeah. You know, I think when we started making the, the film, it was to be seen in a cinema, which right. I think people forget about now. And uh, we're like this, we want it loud, we want it fast, and we want people to have a good time in watching the big screen with the big audio. For sure. And when we come back on the other side of this break, I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, recently, I spoke with Richie Mehta, who's a Canadian filmmaker uh, who works all around the world. But he's been making movies for about 20 years. And he says that the era of expecting to see your films on the big screen uh, for independent and Canadian filmmakers may be coming to a close. And that, you know, what you re probably should sort of adjust your expectations to is that you will see them streamed or on video on demand. Uh, you'll reach a bigger audience. You could potentially make more money that way. Uh, and that it's a, a, a completely 
different landscape than it was even five or 10 years ago. So I want to explore that with, with everybody here because we've got filmmakers and actors uh, on the panel from the film First Round Down, and I want to see how important it is for you to sit in a theater and see your film projected on the big screen. So stay with us. When we come back, there's more with... Rachel Wilson and the Butler Brothers from First Round Down. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. In studio, we have the Butler Brothers. They've directed a film called First Round Down, Brett and Jason Butler. The story is of a local hockey hero sidelined by an injury who leaves town, disappears for 10, 10 years, and comes back with a secret. And a mission. It's a really fun film. Check out my review at richardkraus.com and ctv.ca. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this movie. It's playing at the Carlton Cinema uh, all of this week, probably uh, after that too. But go see it this week because the more money they make this week, the more money they'll make next week when they get renewed once again. Uh, the movie also comes out on video on demand in late June. And check your local listings because it may well be playing at a theater near you uh, wherever you might be listening from. So when we left, and Rachel Wilson is also here. She is one of the stars of the film. Uh, when we left, we were talking about uh, watching your film on the big screen. Brett had mentioned that this film was made to be seen in the theater. And Rachel, I'll start with you. Sure. Um, I prefer going to see movies on the big screen. Mm -hmm. I, I rarely ever watch movies at home. You would think that being a film critic with the amount of stuff I have to watch, that typically I would watch, uh, you know, as much as possible at my convenience, but I still prefer going out to a theater, seeing the picture and the sound that the director wanted me to see. I like being with an audience so I can hear them laugh or cry or do whatever it is. It's a communal experience. Going to the movies for me is a communal experience. What is it for you? Um, well, I agree with with you, Richard. I think that <clears throat> I think it's sad that we're not going to the theaters as much anymore. I do experience the film in a different way when I go to the go to the actual theater. Um, I would say that there are some films that I'm okay to see at home or on, a, on an airplane or yeah. whatever. Well, smaller films. Smaller I mean, films. Yeah, smaller yeah. Uh, two people sitting around a table talking sure. for an hour and a half. You can watch sure, it at home. Sure, you can and watch get it anywhere. Yeah, yeah, but a film like this, it's like you know, the soundtrack it has like a life of its own. You want to see, you know, the fight sequences, the you know, the town, the grittiness of it, the picture really like comes to life on a big screen and um but i do think it's interesting i think that you know the success of a film can no longer be measured by a theatrical release mm -hmm. and the landscape has changed so much so it's um it's it's an interesting turning point kind of in in cinema um because i think that it's still important to to have your your film up on a, a big screen and i'm so happy that we've had the extended release um and that everyone's getting to see this awesome film uh you know but but at that same token, you you can reach a lot of people, you know, on Netflix, on video on demand, yep. on you know, on, on streaming services. Streaming so, services, exactly. So, but you want people to you know hear Triumph up loud or Sloan oh, or Junkhouse sure, or whatever sure. else is on that soundtrack uh, up, you know, very turned up very loud in the theater. Yeah, and I think we we want it to be kind of it's an event, mm -hmm. you know. So you're going there, and it's like a rock and roll show. Mm -hmm. And you go there with your friends, and then you hang out afterwards, have a beer, and talk about the movie. Right. And I think a big problem, too, with having this streaming online, it's great, the, the amount of product. But with the theater, you still have where people actually go and turn off from their lives and right. plug in 
to the movie. They're not making a sandwich while yeah, they're sitting at home. Scrolling, yeah. That's a really good phone, point. Yeah. You know, on Facebook or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's not distracted. This is one on one with with the story, which I think we forget once things go on. People binge watch eight hours of a show and probably you know, remember half an episode. It makes you more present to see it yeah. in the theater, for yeah. sure. And and is that your love of that, Jason, is that from growing up and going to the theater and, and you know, watching films that way, or is it something that's developed over time for you? Uh, I think I think it's always been there. I mean, I remember going to see Empire Strikes Back with my yeah. dad yeah. in theater. That was awesome. And, you know, the Muppets take Manhattan. E.T. And, <laughs> and so much to what you're saying about a communal experience and laughing with other people. It's so infectious and it, yeah. just, it just grows on each other. You know, la- laughing by yourself when you're watching a comedy, sometimes you're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's with me here? <laughs> I, I, I often find myself not even laughing if I'm alone. I'll be, I will literally say, Oh, that was very funny. Yeah, well, but you don't uh, actually boy, I enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah, but you're not actually laughing. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been going to the movies forever, and I think mm-hmm. that's how we kind of fell into the business. You know, it was never, a, you know, again, a foregone conclusion before. We'd all had dreams, and then all of a sudden, Brett and I were like, we've watched a lot of movies over time, maybe more so than most people. So, uh, yeah, let's try. I, I was trying to move things around and it didn't work out. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, more so than most people. We're so, all like, uh... I know. Uh, and so, more so than most people. So, let's make our own movies. Let's make our own movies. Let's, let's, let's be part of, the, uh, part of the storytelling. Let's yeah. give back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's give back to the art form that's given us so much. <laughs> it's so true, though. I think you guys make really good points. I think it, I, I really think that it, it is what's missing. And I like the point about having to disconnect and from technology and your cell phones and everything else. It's like going to see a play, going to see a movie. It's like people just don't aren't dropping in to just focusing on one thing anymore. Okay, so how do we feel then, being that we're sort of, I think, traditional in the in our love of going to see movies in the theater, how do we feel about post-credit scenes? I'm getting tired of them. I think that the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie has three post-credit scenes, and they're funny, and they're kind of, you know, after the main action, then you stick around for the credits, and boom, 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 there's three more scenes. And you'll see that audiences are slowly getting trained to sit there and, and watch these things. But I think it takes away from the end of the movie. So you have a two-hour movie that is wound down to its inevitable conclusion. It ends. I like a movie that goes, the end, it's over. And then you guys at the end of your movie do a little, um, and then they did this. And then, you know, there's a little recap, which is cool. It's not like making us uh, rethink the end of the movie that we've already seen. Right. Right. I think like a little pop at the end is nice. It's a little treat for the audience right. for sitting through the entire credits because I think it's important as filmmakers for you know everybody getting their their yeah, uh, time to shine in the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. So if you're an audience member that watches through it all, here's here's a little little bonus for you. But yeah, I don't think you should have changing the story around or adding. Remember Wild Things like 20 years ago where they told the whole story in the end credits. Afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> And, That's and, a good point. And why would you do that, Rachel? Do you sit through for end credit scenes? You know what? I, I do. I do sit through end credits. I mean, I really like seeing. I, I always want to see what the music is. I literally right. always sit through for yeah. the music. Yeah. I want to see. Oh, who's that person in that scene? Like, I do enjoy that. And again, I think like it's about p- thinking that people can't handle 
sitting there. It's like distractions at the end of the movie. It's like, well, how how do we keep them here? How do we, you know, I mean, my husband, he loves those scenes at the ends of the movies. So you can see them as one thing or the other. I kind of err on the side of your opinion, Richard, is that I, I kind of like it to be concluded. I'm uh, like, I'm ready for it to be done. Yeah, I kind of just <clears throat> feel like, I mean, that could be amusing. You know, the Avengers yeah. sitting around eating falafels or whatever sure, it was. Sure. That's, it was, you know, it was kind of funny. It was sort of an interesting thing. But I felt like I had seen the movie already. Yeah. I had already kind of been told that story. And I, I didn't really... Kind of waters yeah. it down. Well, interestingly, yeah. that, I mean, we had the little pop in ours at the end, and that was really... We never intended to do that with, like uh, that with Christian Brune's character. Right. And that was really because so many of the actors, after reading the script, were like, well, what happens to Winston? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was a good conclusion, because I felt like that was part of the movie. I didn't feel like yeah. it was like you're waiting. Yeah. I just felt like it was part of the story yeah, that needed to Yeah, everyone was like, well, what happened? Is, is he yeah. okay? Yeah. yeah, and then at the Saturday night screen, there was a bunch of people asking, and they were like, how about a Winston sequel? Second round down. <laughs> story of flowers. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> revenge. That would be amazing. Oh, he's so funny. Christian is so very funny. So funny. Yeah. That was the part that I was saying to these guys, too. Every time I watch the movie, I find more funny things than Christian. I'm, like, laughing out loud. I feel like an obnoxious audience member when I see him on screen because I literally... And Rob, like, there's just so many funny... Rob Ramsey's great. Like, so many funny bits with, you know... Yeah, no, the movie, I, I think, in my review and, and, and I think in the, the various places that I reviewed it when I was just uh, talking about it, I said that the movie is really true to its characters. There's nothing here that when you see it doesn't that feels out of place. And so often, you know, you'll go for a joke that that is funny, but maybe it doesn't exactly feel like the character would do it. In this, I just felt that it was a really good character-driven story that, that made sense to me. You know, the characters did things that I thought were legit and made sense to me. So enjoyable all the way around. The movie is called First Round Down, directed by the Butler brothers, Brett and Jason, and uh, Rachel Wilson, one of the stars in it. When we come back, I want to talk about Richard Simmons a little bit. Richard Simmons is trying desperately just to have a life. He just wants to be left alone, lock himself up in his big, weird Beverly Hills mansion and just be left alone. But people don't want to leave him alone. There's a podcast out right now called Missing Richard Simmons. Uh, the National Enquirer won't leave him alone. The question that I have is, once you've been really super famous, can you just retire and expect people to leave you alone? We'll take that up with the panel when we come back. Stay. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. In studio, we have the directors of First Round Down. That's the Butler brothers, Brett and Jason. The movie is at the Carlton Cinema in Toronto right now. It will be on VOD, that's Video On Demand, in late June. Uh, also, check your local listings because it will be rolling out, coming to a theater near you soon. And uh, you better hope that it does because it's a really fun movie. We've been talking about it now for uh, the last few minutes. It's the story of a guy who was a local hockey hero. His career is sidelined before he makes it to the NHL. And he becomes a hitman in Montreal, then tries to go straight and go home again. And it's, as Thomas Wolfe said, you can never really go home again. Mm -hmm. Things are different for him when he gets there. Uh, check it out. It's called First Round Down. The star is Rachel Wilson. Nice to have you in. Thanks, Richard. So you've been acting since age 12. What made you want to act? <laughs> um, well, I was nine when I was, uh, when I first started, um, 
um, on stage. I'd say age 12 for on camera, but right. at nine when I was on stage. Um, I took the theater arts course in, in St. Catharines, which is where I'm from. And I think my first role was on stage uh, playing a character called, I'm not even joking, Priscilla Pure. I was in a musical <laughs> called, I was in a musical called Orphans in Candyland. Wow. Um, and I got to wear this like satin pink dress with a hoop skirt. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. I thought yeah. it was really great. Um, people, you know, get in the audience, they clap for you. Uh, I did really like being on stage um, and my mom really encouraged that in me and um, I had a friend who I was taking drama with and she was on that show Road to Avonlea yeah. and uh, she's like you should come to Toronto meet my agent and and then I did that and then sort of it went from there but I didn't really decide to do it as a career I think until probably like my early 20s um, even though I had a career I think it was always very sort of just more fun in like high school and right. grade school <clears throat> and I kind of kept it really separate because you know you never want to stand out as a kid yeah what did your friend um, people were cool about it, but you know, I was I had some bad bullying issues in grade five and six, and I remember grade seven. I just wanted to like wear a white t-shirt and jeans and wear the <laughs> same thing every day and sort of like disappear into the crowd. And I was an actor, which is like the worst combos of people be like, "Where'd you go?" I'm like, "Oh, nowhere, nothing. I didn't do anything." But then you're like on the screen, and it, it was weird. Um, mostly people are cool. Uh, I'm just in a movie with Russell Crowe. That's all. No big deal. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you don't. I I don't know. I I think I don't know if this is true for a lot of actors but I have a hunch that it is that you who, who you present to the outside world is not actually who you are inside and it's a way of sort of expressing yourself you know um, maybe that you wouldn't necessarily do in your day-to-day -day right. life right? right and it was like this private secret thing that I could do that you know I could sort of have an outlet for my feelings and in day-to-day -day I was I, I could be conservative and you know sort of blend into the woodwork. <laughs> and what made you want to do it as a career then in your early 20s? Um, you know, I, I did see Les Mis when I was, this is like not my early 20s, but when I was about 13 with my mom. And that really struck me. I loved the storytelling aspect of it and the way that you could affect an audience. Um, and then I was living in Los Angeles when I was 20, 21. And uh, I had really good, you know, people and, and guidance. And I, I felt like, yeah, this is when I want to do it as a career. I think... Uh, I, I think that I, I, it was around then, but it wasn't a very like specific designated shift. It was a sort of like a like a very like right. you know uh, it wasn't very uh, defined. Uh, uh, yeah, you yeah. know when I decided to do it. But I I knew I knew from the start that it was it was um, it, it's just something that I've always done and and I and I have always enjoyed. So interesting yeah. how Les Mis sort of changed yeah. things for me. But you never know what it's going to be. Yeah. I, uh, I went to the Neptune Theater when I was a kid. And saw um, a Midsummer Night's Dream, yeah. and I remember that they lowered Puck from the ceiling, and he did that. Uh, if we spirits have yes, offended, think about this and all his mended speech. Yes, and and it blew my mind. Yeah. I'd never seen anything like that yeah. before, and I can sort of pinpoint that as being the moment that my love of theater yes. was born. And I, I was always a, a movie fan, but it just never really struck me. I didn't put the two together that you know. I could actually be involved in it. Here are real people sitting not very far away from me mm -hmm. doing this. And it and it really changed everything for me. For you guys, Jason and Brett, what was there a movie or was there a thing that kind of pushed you that way? Um well, I can speak from my perspective of like when we sort of were like, we're gonna make a movie. 
um, I was in LA, right. maybe hanging around Rachel, but like in the <laughs> totally uncool in crowd. the gutter. <laughs> oh, and uh, I wish I knew you then. It was uh, so I just went out there just to find out because I was like, a film, I'll yeah. try acting, and might as well go like just no knowledge whatsoever, yeah. and just went out there. We'll just see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. just 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 check it out. It's Hollywood, and uh, you could really be your own agent at the time in terms of like you know it would come out the Thursday, and you'd sort of you could audition yourself right. and. Uh, I became a, I was preppy number three in a in a movie called Amerasian. I love that you're preppy number three. Uh, and, uh, that's uh, awesome. That, just, to look at you now, <laughs> that awesome. does not seem like typecasting. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh and uh, it, it, you know, it was just a, a terrible script, and I just ended up just sort of deconstructing it. And <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah. And I I actually <laughs> sent it to Brett, and Brett's like. We can easily do something this well, terrible. I was, I, was re- I was reading the script, and part of it was a, uh, a a woman was taken hostage, and she was on a highway, and so she was found. She was dumping lipstick out the highway so she could be fallen. I was like, how <laughs> is oh, that going to work? So when we ever talk about bad storytelling, how many does she have? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So whenever we owe like. This doesn't sound good. This is like lipsticks on a highway. <laughs> <laughs> That's our code. Yeah. That's awesome. That's but yeah, awesome. I was like, eh, I don't, Jay doesn't seem to be getting any jobs. I'm going to start writing. I'm going to help him out here. He's getting cast as a preppy for crying out loud. Preppy number three. I love it. Preppy number three. So Richard Simmons, speaking of Los Angeles, Richard Simmons uh, has, has been trying to retire from public life uh, for 30 or more years. He was on television constantly, and he did actually really help people. He would call people at home who were having a rough time with their exercise regimes or their diets or whatever, and, and he was ubiquitous. He just seemed to be everywhere. He was on talk shows. He had ads running on the television everywhere. He was absolutely everywhere. And then about three, three and a half years ago, he just disappeared. It's, it's, like, it's like he never happened. It just went up in a, in a cloud of smoke. Recently, his very famous... Uh, a gym in Beverly Hills closed down. Uh, people were apparently stealing things off the walls. Everyone, it meant so much to them. The people that had been going there for years, they just wanted like a little piece of it. Oh, and wow. they were taking things from it. Uh, but, you know, people won't leave him alone. He uh, was the subject of a podcast called Missing Richard Simmons. The National Enquirer uh, is after him, uh, claiming that he's having a sex change. He's suing them for libel, saying that it's cruel and malicious, uh, what they're saying about him. My question is, when you've been that famous, can you just disappear? Well, I think with the hunger for content right now, it's it's impossible because all these sites and papers and they want the clickbait. They want to yeah. they want to get people to there. So they'll they'll unearth anything at this point to yeah. get you to read their stuff and sell their their advertising. And they love, I think, in in media in general, the rags to uh, riches to rag story is mm-hmm. like a, a classic. Yeah. They build people up, celebrate them, and then knock them down. And, yeah. you know, the same audience is eating it up again. Especially in America, they love the rags to riches. It's like the royalty factor. You know, you love to love that person, but then if they're in the gutter, they're in the gutter, and then they the transformation yeah. again. Yeah. Then there's something like the, his hubris got him there <laughs> yes, or whatever it is. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, I, for me, and I don't mean in a bad way, but I feel like there's a little bit of karma for Richard Simmons because my introduction to him was, you know, you're just watching whatever daytime programming yeah. or morning. He was always the guy who just appeared. He's like, ah! <laughs> like he just appeared out of nowhere, like he was uninvited, and he just like, I'm popped in the corners. Shape. And you know, unfortunately, now it seems like it's gone the other way. People are like, Richard, hi! Guess what? We're gonna find out about you. Um, which, which is which is terrible. But like Brett was saying, I mean, nowadays it seems like to be a separate category of sort of 
um, you know, let's find out who's not been, you know, around in the headlines for a while and just sort of whip up a, yeah. a story. It, it's it's crazy. It's yeah. it's brutal. They did the same thing with Emmanuel Lewis, too. Like all those, yeah, you know, right. people who are on like shows in the 70s and the 80s, like old child stars really get it badly. Like, you know, it, it, I don't know what it is. There is a fascination, sort of like a morbid fascination with watching people's demise. And, you know, and I, I feel for Richard Simmons, I feel for anybody who's in the eye of, of, a, of a nasty press like that because, you know, sure, you can say, well, it's part of being a celebrity and you just can't. But at the same time, he's a human being and, you know, people forget that he's a human being. And he just wants to be left yeah. alone. He I would say we just alone. leave him alone. Leave him alone. Leave yeah. him alone. So Wonder Woman comes out on June 2nd. Uh-huh. And so the ramp up to Wonder Woman is happening now. There hasn't been a female-led superhero movie for 12 years, since Elektra. So it's been a long time. So there's a lot of expectation. And then they have to go do this. They have to. I was uh, shocked. Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, Rachel, tell me what you thought about this. So Wonder Woman there's a new promotion here uh, for uh, diet protein bars called Think Thin. And they're snacks for, for people who are trying, uh, women specifically, they're marketed to women, I think, uh, to lose weight. So you've got a superhero who is about uh, acceptance, who's about, you know, powerful women. That, and then they the first major promo that they do is, you know, yeah, well, you got to lose weight. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. I don't it know how that really is a marketing right? campaign for young girls for in general. It, yes, because Wonder Woman, in my mind, is like strong, powerful, um, muscular, yeah. uh, tall. Um, those are the things. I don't think thin. I just think a strong woman. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so backwards from how far we've come to market something in that way when you know so many women, women and men are going to go see the film. Um, But why associate it with that? Why? There's no need. Protein bar, sure, maybe. You know, because it's like she's strong. But Think Thin has nothing to do with being Wonder Woman. There's also loads of other Oh companies gosh, that so were probably lined up. So someone said, oh, think thin. Oh, this is a good idea. Oh, this sounds great. It just great. shows how stuck America is still in terms of how they sell women and, and, and the ideas of how women should be. I am really interested to see the reaction to Wonder Woman. It's, took, Wonder Woman. it's taken a very long time for this to get to the screen. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know. I think it's going to be huge, but um, my fingers are crossed. I just, I, I really don't yeah. know. Yeah, I think she's great, Gal Gadot. Well, it's, she it's is. weird too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just... You know, the cinematic convention of uh, superheroes and eating and stuff. Because you never see, I'm mean, pretty much it's in true. any movie, you don't see anyone eat ever. And then yeah. superheroes are always in super great shape. You never yeah. see them work out. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, is she going to just start eating a wafer there? You're like, oh, if I eat wafers, they're going to be like Wonder Woman. <laughs> 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 the movie is called First Round Down. My guests have been, that's it. That's all the time we have. Aww. My guests have been the Butler brothers, Brett M. Butler, Jason G. Butler, <laughs> and uh, Rachel Wilson. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Go see the movie. It's at the Carlton Cinema in Toronto right now. It will be on video on demand in late June. Uh, and check your local listings because it's probably coming to a theater near you very soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Andre on the board, and we'll talk to you again next week.